Welcome to Warrensville Reaching New Heights. I'm your host, June Scharf, and on this episode, we have something a little different. We're featuring an audio recording of an event that was held in September, co-sponsored by the City of Warrensville Heights and the Warrensville Heights Area Chamber of Commerce. It was held at Corporate College, and it drew more than 110 participants to hear local business leaders talk about development opportunities, market trends, business incentives, the new school facility plan, and much more. Jerome Duvall, the city's economic development director, was one of the event leaders, and Mayor Bradley Sellers gave the opening remarks. So for those of you who couldn't make it to the event, we hope you enjoy this recording of all that transpired. So good morning, everyone. Welcome. I was able to meet a lot of you beforehand, and um, I'm really excited about our program today. My name is Chalana Williams. I am chairperson for the Warrensville Heights Area Chamber of Commerce Board of Directors, and I am happy that we're all here in attendance for this wonderful program that's been presented by the Warrensville Heights Economic and Community Development Department uh, in partnership with the Warrensville Heights Area Chamber of Commerce. So thank you very much for coming. At this time, I'd like to recognize any elected officials in the room. Um, are there any city council members? Please stand and be recognized. Thank you. And also, we'd like to recognize our mayors in the room. Mayor Blackwell from the city of Maple Heights, and of course, Mayor Sellers from the city of Warrensville Heights. Thank you. So before we get started, uh, please take note of the agenda on your tables. Take a quick look at it. We have a lot of information, a, uh, a lot of great speakers that are going to be speaking. So please try to stay for the entire program. At the end, we're gonna have a question and answer session. So we hope that you all be able to uh, stay for the entire program. At this time, I'd like to welcome up Mayor Bradley Sellers from the city of Warrensville Heights with our opening address. Good morning. Good morning. I want to thank everyone for taking the time to join us today. I want to especially thank uh, my economic development staff, Director Jerome DeBall and Ramon Turner for putting this forum on. Uh, those who have, if you've been in Warrensville for a long time, we've had, the, we've had this forum some time ago when I was uh, the economic development director here at the city. And we felt like it was time put it on again. This is a forum and I've been I've been briefed, I only got a couple minutes, so I'm only gonna be here for a couple minutes because the event is about you as business owners, uh, real estate uh, folks, uh, city folks, uh, municipal workers. It's about the growth in this region, right? We feel like this area, the Tri-City area, Warrensville Heights, uh, Highland Hills, North Rando, is prime for economic boom. And we see that in our numbers, our tax receipts. We see that in development opportunities. We also see it in people moving back to the area. 
we felt like it was a great time to have a forum so that we could try to connect businesses not only with one another, working with our own Chamber of Commerce, but also connect them to folks that can help them grow their business. Uh, I want to thank Mayor Blackwell for taking the time to join us this morning from the great city of Maple Heights, uh, because I feel like in this area, the Tri-City area, there's going to be outreach to places like Bedford Heights, Maple Heights, because this, this region is, is boomed to grow. And today you'll hear about, from a number of different entities talking about the great opportunities here. And I want to make sure I share that. And I'm going to get on down the story. You'll find out from us. We'll talk about things we're doing here. You'll learn about things that we're doing in the city to help business grow through different incentive programs, different planning. Um, and so, like I said, as, as our, in our growth, uh, let's go to the first slide. In our own growth, we're, 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 we are willing to invest in growth here. We feel like the growth corridor in this sector of town has now become Richmond Road. Richmond Road is going to be that, that corridor, and we're willing to invest in it. So if you had not heard, uh, City Hall, which is located on the corner of Warrensville Center and, and Ellicott, right next to the uh, Warrensville Heights Middle School, is moving locations. In the spring of 20, by June 1st of 20, we have done a deal in the last 10 days to acquire the former South University building. So, <laughs> South University was bought up uh, by an institution out in California maybe about a year ago. Uh, the building was sitting there vacant as we were looking for opportunities to redevelop it. Uh, it sits in a, a, bur uh, a bustling new business park uh, done by Hemingway Development uh, out on Richmond. Uh, which includes Life Bank, uh, Marcus Thomas, and now uh, with us joining the fold, we'll be in there as well. And so we sit here, it's about 40,000 square feet. The city is in need of about uh, 32,000 square feet, and we are now looking to try to backfill the other space, and we are uh, actively going to engage our own school district in looking at relocating to the, uh, the building as well, and we will have one true municipal complex in this, in this city. Which I think, let me just tell you, nobody out here doing that. There's nobody, you can go to any community, nobody is doing that to this scale. And why we're doing it is we're doing it because it needs to be done. I'm looking for the next 50 years, not this date that we're in today, right? So this is about a, uh, in total, it's about a $17 million investment. It has no tax burden on any business. So if you're a business in Warrensville, don't worry about it. You're not, getting, you're not getting taxed for this. If you live in Warrensville, you're not getting taxed for this, right? This is done through good fiscal man, uh, management and good strategic plan. I want to thank, and I'm going to ask my finance director, Karen House, to stand up because I, I stole her from Twinsburg. <laughs> and she, we went to high school, we went to elementary school together, high school together, college together. And I was like, you got to come back and help me. And so we figured out a way to move forward. Uh, as far as this community goes, real quick, uh, like I said, good fiscal management. We do about $21 million in, in tax, uh, tax revenues in our, general, I mean, in our general fund every year. We've got an a, a A1 credit rating here, so Warrensville seems to be able to make sure that uh, all our bills are paid. We're on time. We're trying to make sure that we position the city to go forward. Um, and we, the one thing that we do believe here in this community is good public service. We are public servants, so we try to be good stewards of the public, public dollars, and we try to make sure that whether you live here or work here, that uh, if you ever need us, that we're there for you. You see here that our fire department does about 4,300 calls 
a year. Uh, EMS calls about 2,500, so you know, we get those calls from businesses too, right? And so uh, we try to make sure that we're there to meet the needs, right? And so that we're gonna continue to do that. Our police department does about <clears throat> 20,000 total calls a year, uh, about almost 10,000 911 calls. Um, we don't like to talk about the citations, <laughs> but if you're traveling at a high rate of speed, we just have to make sure we bring you down under control. So uh, the other things that we do here, I want to tell you for a business, for a business, if you run a business entity here, and say you've got three shifts running, right? And say you have, I'll use example, you have women that work late at night, and then you're out in the parking lot, and you know sometimes people are, are don't want to go to the cars by themselves, right? We have a service at our at our uh, department that's used from time to time where you can call in your employee as an employer or a, a employer or employee you can call in, and we will meet you at the door and we'll make sure you get to your car, right? Nothing nothing has ever happened, but you know. We want to make sure that people feel like this is a good place to be. 24 hours of uh, business around the clock is what we have. I do want to say as a, as a wrap here is just this. Uh, take advantage of the forum. Like I said, you're going to get to a good question and answer session. I want to make sure that you get your questions answered. We're going to try to connect you not only with ourselves but with the county. You'll hear some local market trends going on through the, through the day about what's going on here. And you'll learn why in this, in this Tri-City area, that we feel like this is a great place, uh, that your investment is going to be respected. If you're looking to make an investment, this is where it's going to occur. Thank you guys very much. I want to invite Elizabeth up from CoStar, who's the economist. I'm a bit shorter than uh, the mayor. It's this one. Okay. I know. I think we all are. Um, thank you, Jerome. Uh, so Jerome asked me here to talk about uh, the local market, Warrensville Heights, and I will get to that, but I think it's really important to start with the national picture, the national and the metro level. What happens nationally, what happens in Cleveland, clearly has uh, implications for Warrensville Heights. Um, and if you look at trends historically in the property markets, um, they have, the fundamentals have, have moved in line with the overall market. So as you see these charts, don't fret, if they say Cleveland or the U.S., um, what you see in the charts is it charts is very much what you'll see in Warrensville Heights. Um, so I will get to it, but first I want to start at a higher level um, with the U.S. economy. And I think, okay, ignore that. I'm not going to get to that yet. Actually, there you go. Um, so very briefly, and if you have questions, I only have 15 minutes, so I'm going to try to be uh, brief. If you have questions, feel free to grab me later on, and, and we can talk about it. Um, so for the U.S. economy overall, the good news um, is that it continues to expand. Growth is slowing, however, and the risk of recession is rising. So consumers remain in good shape, willing to spend, but businesses are cutting back. So on net, we don't have a recession in our base case forecast, but it is possible. Um, some would say probable, um, but growth is slowing. The labor market, very similar picture. So job growth continues, but it's slowing. So as of July, the average monthly gain for the past six months was 140,000 jobs. That's down from 220,000 last year. So still steady gains, but at a slower pace. Um, now, trade, uh, manufacturing, is a big deal here in Cleveland. 
right? We have outsized exposure to manufacturing. Um, now, what was a source of strength nationally and for Cleveland has shifted and is now a source of weakness. So there are all kinds of headwinds for manufacturing. We have an inventory overhang, slowing global growth, um, trade uncertainty. So slowing manufacturing. Uh, tariffs are a big deal. Um, and I don't know if you spend too much time thinking about tariffs in your day-to-day. -day. It's, it's confusing stuff. We've had multiple rounds of tariffs now, right? So before this past weekend, we had imposed a 25% tariff on $300 billion worth of Chinese imports. That alone is expected to cost the economy over $60 billion. But now we have no, more tariffs, right? So this weekend, another 15% tariff on $111 billion worth of imports. In October, the 25% tariff goes up to 30%. And then in December, we have another 15% tariff on $150 billion worth of imports. So altogether, that's $120 billion that will be taken out of the economy. So just something to keep in mind. And again, a big risk here in Cleveland. Um, and the number one risk to our outlook. Okay, I hope that wasn't too much national stuff for you. Cleveland, so historically, uh, job growth in Cleveland has lagged U.S. growth. But in recent quarters, um, we've picked up pace and U.S. growth has slowed a bit. And so now we're right in line with the U.S. And we'll stay there for a little bit um, before growth stalls. Now, this is our base case forecast. So again, our base case forecast does not include a recession. Um, if we were to see a recession, I'm not anticipating a severe recession if we see one, maybe a moderate recession. So in that scenario, unfortunately, because of Cleveland's exposure to these cyclical industries like manufacturing, Cleveland's outlook um, is a little more gloomy in a, in a moderate recession. So nationally, um, we see employment contracting about 0.5% in 2020. And, and 2021, in Cleveland it's about double. So again, just something to be aware of, right? Just to give you some context. The industrial market. Now this shows you the Cleveland industrial market, but you could just as easily put Warrensville Heights on there and it's the same trends, okay? So fundamentals have improved through, through the cycle. Uh, the industrial market broadly has benefited from strong economic growth, uh, broadly, and specifically the rise in e-commerce. So that has fueled um, improving absorption. And in Cleveland, we've had very little development. Um, so that has helped move vacancy down. Now, over the past year or so, we've seen some pretty significant deliveries, in, including a big one here uh, in Warrensville Heights. Um, and due to that, vacancy has stabilized, but at a very low level, so just north of 4%, which is good. Um, and this chart shows you inventory expansion by submarket. So it's growth as a percentage of inventory. And you can see Warrensville Heights is right at the top of the list. And that is due to the Amazon Fulfillment Center. So that, I mean, it's a big center, um, um, but also the, the base, the industrial inventory base here in Warrensville Heights is somewhat smaller. So it looks like a, a, a much bigger impact, and it is a big impact. Um, now, 
rent growth, um, again, this is Cleveland overall, but Warrensville Heights looks very similar. Um, rent growth has been steady, um, but somewhat slower than the US overall. Good news, I mean, it's just, it's just a slower growth market. Um, and we expect, um, actually, let me go back here to going forward. Again, in our base case forecast, what's happening is that as economic growth slows, demand for industrial space will slow. But deliveries are expected to continue at a modest level, but still continue. And so that will cause vacancy to rise, but not by a lot. You can see there, 100 basis points. So still well below the historical average in terms of vacancy. Um, now, Warrensville Heights, I mentioned, trends have been in line with the market overall. Vacancy in the Warrensville Heights industrial market is actually somewhat lower, right around 3%, super low, very little available space in Warrensville Heights. Rents are also a bit higher than the overall market. Cap rates and sales prices are right in line. So for Cleveland overall, cap rates for the industrial market are right around 9%. Definitely higher than the US, but they've trended down. Um, now, in a base case forecast, um, you can see uh, the, the vacancy moving up a little bit. Now, in Warrensville Heights, I think a big question is, and an important question, will Amazon result in an uptick in activity in the industrial market? And I think it's certainly possible. Um, and maybe we'll hear more about that today. Uh, but generally, I think Warrensville Heights will continue to trend along with the overall market. Now, just a few brief risks, just to give you context. These are um, high-level risks, but they do have implications for Warrensville Heights. And I, let me make sure I'm on track here. Um, okay, so the first has to do with manufacturing. So manufacturing for the economy broadly, but industrial specifically, has benefited a market like Cleveland. In Cleveland, 40% of industrial space is manufacturing. That's about twice the national average. So as we saw, you know, strength in manufacturing, um, that benefited our market. But as we see manufacturing slowing, um, we could also see an impact, a negative impact on the industrial market. So that's one risk I want to highlight. The second has to do with logistics. Um, and logistics have really, I mean, that's, that's been the story nationally, right? The logistics, the logistics market. Less so in Cleveland, we're not a, a big logistics market. Um, but logistics, so if you buy an item in a store, you're 10% likely to return it. If you buy it online, 30% likely. And the processing and storing of the returns is called reverse logistics, and it's been a tremendous driver of uh, demand for warehouse space, nationally, locally. Um, now stores are turning more and more to their brick and mortar locations to handle those returns. It's more efficient and it'll drive in-store purchases. So if, as we see that continue, we could see a decline in demand for warehouse space. Tariffs are another factor. Um, to the extent that they impact consumer spending, um, that has implications for the industrial market broadly, the retail market certainly. So something uh, else to keep in mind. Um, but I think, you know, in a downside or even a base case, industrial will continue to outperform the other property sectors. Okay, the office market. 
Um, fundamentals have clearly improved. You can see that. Vacancy, the green line, has moved down. Um, similar, oh, five minutes. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's handy, though. Um, okay. Uh, similar to the office market, or similar to the industrial market here uh, in Cleveland, um, it's been a supply side story. So definitely there's been demand, but it's been fairly modest. So on the supply side, we've had very little development. And in specific submarkets, um, like our CBD, we've had a lot of conversion activity. So the conversion activity has removed a lot of high vacancy space, um, and primarily apartment conversions, but we're also seeing some hotels, that type of thing downtown. So that has benefited the overall market. Um, vacancy is currently very low, 8%, below the national average. Warrensville Heights, same, right around 8%. Um, rent growth, let's see if I have a chart. Um, rent growth has been pretty anemic nationally and locally. Um, demand for office space, um, this cycle has been somewhat weaker and there are all kinds of theories as to why. Um, whether it's, you know, we're still busy absorbing all the excess space uh, from the Great Recession, whether it's because we're becoming more efficient using fewer square feet per person, but demand has been fairly modest and you see that in the rent growth figures here. Um, now, again, performance in Warrensville Heights, in line with the overall market. Um, in fact, across the fundamentals, so cap rates, right around 10%. Now, in Cleveland, cap rates have moved lower through the cycle, um, but starting in about 2014, they started to move higher again. And a higher cap rate is reflective of you know, risk perception. So a lower, lower cap rate, lower risk, higher cap rate, higher risk. So Cleveland overall has somewhat higher cap rates than, than the, the US overall. Now, going forward, you can see that absorption will start to slow. Uh, deliveries, again, same story with the industrial market, deliveries are gonna pick up a little bit. And so we do see vacancy rising, but not by a lot. And in a downside, very similar. Now, office fundamentals are not as favorable in a downside um, as industrial, but still, because primarily because the supply pipeline has been restrained, um, we're not expecting significant softening in the office market. So I hope that helps give you some context. I think, um, you know, to the mayor's point, there are all kinds of opportunities in Cleveland broadly and Warrensville Heights specifically. You just got to keep your eyes open and understand where we are in the cycle. It's a bit long in the tooth. You just need to understand that, um, but, but still opportunities uh, for growth. Thank you. Elizabeth, if you sit up at the chairs, there are going to be some Q&A later. So we're going to have the speaker sit up at the chairs. You can do it later. Yeah, absolutely. Is David Robinson here? Ah, oh, there you are. I was looking for you, Dave. Come on up. All right. Well, uh, appreciate the chance to, to be up here. I, I drove up from uh, Columbus on a beautiful day. You know, winter's coming, but it's not here yet, right? Let's just love September. Um, 
I'm going to talk about the world of opportunity zones. It is um, kind of a hot topic. Uh, I don't. How many of how many have heard of opportunity zones? How many have been to an event on opportunity zones? Yeah, I think. Uh, I think. Oh, good, good. Hopefully, I won't. You know, hopefully, I'm making up different stuff now. It'll, it'll, you know, be. You keep track of me. So uh, it is. It is clearly. Um, you know, one of the big trends in economic development and one of the topics that is uh, discussed uh, a lot out there. So, um, you know, and why? Because uh, opportunity zones are a way for communities and, and developers and companies to attract outside capital to their site, to their community, to a census tract, to a development. And the Economic Innovation Group, which is a think tank in Washington, has, which really has been pushing this concept of opportunity zones, did their own analysis. And they, uh, they have determined that about $6.1 trillion in capital gains are, uh, are available for um, investment in opportunity zones. In essence, those are the, the pool of capital gains that are out there driven in large part by uh, last year was actually a record growth in venture capital investment. You know, for those of you uh, older like me, and I'm now over 50, so I have to call myself old, but, um, you know, we lived through the 90s when we thought, oh my gosh, every, every day of the week there's, you know, something in the newspaper about, um, about, you know, venture capital and the growth of the tech industry. Actually, the record of investment was last year. And I, I, you have to actually pay attention to the industry reports to actually see it. So it is, uh, uh, I think that's part of the driver that's out there. You know, our firm, uh, for those of you that, that have not um, uh, met us or, or heard, you know, heard us talk before, we do uh, economic development and public policy, corporate site location work for companies. Uh, we're doing a lot of work uh, uh, for the developer uh, world around large-scale industrial. Uh, obviously, you've, you've seen some excitement up here with an Amazon facility, but we've got three different industrial development projects going on right now uh, in different parts of the state trying to get the, the land entitled and, and zoned and incentives and infrastructure all lined up. So we've been very active in that world. We, we also do economic development planning for uh, communities and for sites. Um, and I'm a former uh, state legislator, so we have several clients that we represent at the local, state, and, and federal level. Um, I love economic development. Uh, every time I drive to Cleveland, I think about my five years at Ameritech, uh, where, where our corporate office was up at Erie View Plaza. So uh, that's actually where I got my start in economic development for the phone company in the 90s. Have been doing it uh, really since then. Uh, and so we, we've been just very active in it, been fortunate to, to teach uh, at Ohio State and, and my alma mater, Bowling Green, and written two textbooks and a bunch of other fun stuff. So I'm officially an economic development geek and um, love this stuff. So let, let's talk about Opportunity Zones. And I'm not going to spend, uh, you, you guys are obviously all ready for the quiz, but, um, you know, some just some key concepts. Again, uh, at its core, opportunity zones are a way to both shield capital gains tax. So if you are someone that is a potential investor, um, it can be any capital gains. So it could be uh, the average person that just was smart enough to buy Apple stock 
10 years ago and they look around and go, holy cow, I've got a, you know, I'm gonna have to sell this and I've got a big capital gains. It could be a business owner who has sold their business and has, uh, you know, fortunately for them, made a substantial profit on it. So they've got a, they've got a large capital gain event coming up. Uh, so it could be a wide range of, of individuals, but it, it is a way to, for them to shelter the, the taxes that are out there. And as I mentioned before, and I think what's most exciting about it, it's a way for communities to capture outside capital. You know, at its core, uh, and you heard the great economics uh, analysis, at its core, economic development is really all about trying to find ways to bring in outside capital to your community. It's great to shuffle capital around your community, but at the end, end of the day, you win a lot more when you get an Amazon facility to come to town that creates jobs than you do if, if you're just uh, working on uh, your own capital. Opportunity zones, there are 8,700 census tracts in the United States. Oh, there's another five minute sign. It's right there. Um, I got a lot to say. Am I really? Okay. Um, 8,700 census tracts, 320 in Ohio, all 50 states, all U.S. territories, um, qualified opportunity fund, you know, there's going to be some very specific tests to meet that. And then what is a qualified opportunity zone property? Uh, a real big issue is this 50% test. Uh, and it's something that, you, you know, you really need to pay attention to. Long and the short of it is if you're thinking of doing an opportunity zone fund, um, the biggest piece of advice, first of all, it's not complicated to set up a fund. It's an LLC. It's a, it's an, it's a state corporation or partnership. But don't take money until you know where you're going to put it because you only have 180 days to make the investment. Um, so that, that is kind of uh, the, the shortcut discussion of that. Starts with investors, goes through the fund. Um, again, it could be set up that it's stock of a qualified Opportunity Zone Corporation, uh, qualified Opportunity Zone Tangible Personal Property, or, or partnership interests. So this is an example of, of, of how uh, this would work. So you have a, uh, a certified Opportunity Zone site. You create an op uh, a site development plan. That's, that's my biggest piece of advice for local economic development folks. We were, we were up talking with all the folks up in Northeast Ohio, the, the local economic development folks, a couple months ago. And uh, they were kind of lamenting that there's not as much action as they want. And I kind of put them on the spot and said, OK, well, how many of you have done a site plan for your Opportunity Zone? How many of you know what the infrastructure costs are? How many of you know what the transportation costs are? Then how many of you have a plan or maybe even funded the infrastructure? There were not a lot of hands that went up. So that, that's my piece of advice for the economic development professionals. Make sure your site's ready for development. Land use entitlements and incentives. Again, doing everything you can to make it easy for, uh, for sites to develop. Uh, you can create the fund. Uh, again, not that's not a complicated process. It's critical that it has 90% of its investments in the opportunity zone so we we get questions wow i've got a we've got a cic can we just use that you certainly can you just have to quit doing everything else that the cic does it has to focus on um on uh, on opportunity zone investments again this is a case where you have an investor who has uh a, a capital gain event um you know that that they are ready to 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 make an investment um it it is uh, it, it has to be a recent event. It can't be it can't be a capital gain that happened before the law was passed. So that so that's usually a question we get. They uh, they invest the money. 
you know, into uh, into that opportunity fund. Uh, again, this also takes someone that is, has a capital gain. They also need to be a patient investor. So the money to really gain the most value is going to have to stay in that in that project, in that company, in that development for a period of time. Because a lot of developers, they want to build the site, they want to rent it, and then they want to flip it. Um, that is not made for an opportunity zone. Um, that's made for a lot of successful real estate developments, but that is not what's going to work in an opportunity zone. So, you know, again, that that is kind of the, the fundamentals of, of how it would work. Really, our advice on launching is is get the get the site ready, uh, advocate, you know, on, on on what it should be. There's there's actually this uh, legislature just passed a a state tax credit for opportunity zones investments, which I think should help market the site. Again, prospectus Cuyahoga County has a has an excellent prospectus, really one of the first ones that was out there. Um, build or recruit an opportunity zone fund. Notice the fund is the last step. Um, so that is going to be uh, important. I'm going to skip that. Um, you know, you have several sites in um, in Warrensville Heights that are you know have been certified as opportunity zones. Uh, I, from my count, there's three census tracts. Yes. So um, again, you you've got one that is going to be really probably more focused on housing. This is another good point. You know, multifamily has probably been the early success story for Opportunity Zones. It is, it is the easiest one to do. There's, there's really not a lot of questions from a regulatory or tax standpoint. So you've got uh, one that is, that is tied to, um, you know, uh, residential development. You've got one that is a potential site of a future town center. Again, another great opportunity. Retail is another great use for opportunity zone uh, sites. And um, uh, again, you've got one for, that's gonna be tied to some uh, new residential development in the Cinema Park area. The early wins have been in multifamily um, and I think retail, primarily because those were the deals that were teed up and ready. Um, there's, really, there's really very few restrictions on the types of projects. It's not like a state incentive where you go try and get a job creation tax credit and it has to be manufacturing. That is not how the Opportunity Zone program is, is structured. It's, it's fairly uh, broad in its uses. It's, it's almost, com you know, almost uh, uh, completely like new market tax credits if you ever had a new market deal. So um, th there's a lot of great opportunities. You just got to make sure you kind of, you know, fit with the rules and, um, you know, start running with it. But what's next? Um, I think there's a great speaker coming up. Let me see who it is. Ah. It's you. It's me. I think you could have given me five minutes of your time. <laughs> hey, David, uh, thanks a lot. Uh, if you can be around for I will questions. Be. I will be. All but right. I do like the idea of sitting in back. There's a lot of pressure. So good morning. My name is Jerome Duvall. I uh, have met most of you. If I have not, um, welcome. Uh, thank you for coming out. I wanted to take a few minutes and just talk about some incentives for businesses, as well as highlight a couple development opportunities that are coming up. So 
one of the things I wanted to focus specifically on starting off is why Warrensville Heights, right? There's some great communities around here, but why Warrensville Heights? One, uh, we're easy to do business with. I had a business come up with me up to me today and said, hey, I called the building department and I said, oh yeah, we already took care of that. And that's just because of the great work that we do in collaboration with the different departments uh, across the city. Major access, highway, access to highway, right? Um, 480, 271, 422, these are things that you all know. Um, we are a designation here in Warrensville Heights, um, as well as we care about our business community. How was the breakfast this morning? Pretty good, right? We care about our business community, but we also like to recognize our business community through our new business form, which you see here today, as well as our business recognition. How many of you have I sh shown up in your office to present you with a new plaque? Don't raise your hands because it may not be many of you, <laughs> right? So how many businesses are in the room? Raise your hand. How many new businesses have uh, started in the past three to five years? Raise your hand. So this is just an example of the growth that uh, Elizabeth talked about and the mayor mentioned. We care about innovation. We are adaptive. And I think that's been part of our success as well. And one of the things that we also know is affordability. And that matters because that impacts your bottom line as a business. So what are some of the business incentives? So are there any businesses in the room that have taken advantage of the county program, which is the storefront renovation program? All right. That is a unique opportunity for businesses. You work with this uh, city to apply for that program. But the purpose of that program is really to provide uh, funding to help restore the infrastructure, the uh, facing of your building, all right? And I know I've spoken to three or four businesses that are interested in that program. That is something that I would encourage you as a takeaway from today, is to learn more about the storefront renovation program. Another program, and we have a representative for, from the county, uh, Bill. Uh, where are you, Bill? Come on up, Bill. Uh, Bill is going to briefly highlight another program uh, called Skill Up. And I know that many of you at your tables have a little flyer on your table. Because of the time crunch, I didn't want to go through all of the incentive programs, but if you look on your table, there's a list of four other incentive programs for businesses. Uh, Bill, you want to come up and talk about Skill Up? And I'll click for you. Okay. Jerome I, Jerome, I appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity to, uh, to meet with, uh, with the city of Warrensville Heights and local businesses. Um, as Jerome said, um, I work with the county, and I'm here to talk a little bit about the skill-up service that is available through the Cuyahoga County, specifically through the Department of Development. Just to give you a little background of skill-up, of where it started, um, we've been in existence since 2017. Has anybody heard of Skill Up? Great, yeah. Um, and, and really, our service has evolved. When the service first came in, into place, it was a result of 
when Executive Budish was first elected, he met with, I don't know, maybe about 100 businesses, and, and he asked the question, he posed the question to the business, what's preventing you from growing? And the majority of them said, skill gaps of the workers. And so what, what, what skill up eventually was started with is to address the skills gap within the, within the workforce. You know, businesses were identifying the, uh, the skill levels and where they needed help at. And then we were creating training plan roadmaps and training plans to address the skill gaps of workers that businesses have identified. Since that time, our service has evolved. Um, not only are we still dealing with working with businesses and helping with, with developing training plans, but we're also asking when I meet with, with the business, I sit down and say, you know, what is SkillUp? SkillUp is a service designed to help businesses identify what are your needs and what are your issues, and then we work with creating solutions to help you drive your business forward. And there's three different areas that we work with. One, we're still working on the training. We're dealing, we're, we're assisting businesses with both tactical and soft skill related issues. But we ask them the questions, general business needs. You know, what it, what, what's, what's impacting your business that's not training related? I'll give you an example. We had a business here in Warrensville Heights that I'm, work, I'm currently working with. And one of the issues they had was, you know, they had some, a, bu a building across the street from them was under disrepair. Remember this one? Yep. And, and so working with the city of Warrensville Heights who contacted the landlord, they were able to get the building spruced up a little bit to make it look presentable. The business was, was extremely pleased because now when customers came to visit them, they weren't spending their time looking at the building across the street and, and talking about that. They were talking about what can this business owner do to address a potential customer. So that was a, that was a business. We've helped other businesses get become certified as a small business enterprise. Some of those who want to do business with with government and government contracts. Um, you know, there's we even helped here recently working through the street commissions. Um, there was a business that wanted to build a piece of property in the city of Cleveland, and what was preventing them was a terrible potholes in the streets. We were able to work and get the street paid for them. So then they bought the building, they expanded their business, they're gonna be expanding their business space and, and adding employees. And, and that, that comes to the third uh, uh, aspect of skill up is we broker for talent. So when a business has some needs, we can use some, some of our resources within the county to help provide businesses with potential employees. Because I, I mean, I hear it all the time from businesses. What are your issues? I need employees. How many businesses say that? How many? How many? How many is it a need for employees? Yeah. So you got a handful of them here. But essentially, that's what that's what skill up is. There's money available to help reimburse the business for the cost of training. And why are we doing this? One is we want to look at businesses' growth. What drives the economy in the Cleveland area? The growth of businesses. And so by us helping businesses, uh, we want to help and, and see that they grow. And plus, we're also in, involved with Cuyahoga County residents. We want to see Cuyahoga County residents get on career paths, get eventual wage increases. That, in, in, that enhances the infrastructure within 
the county tax base. So, you know, we're here not only business interfacing, but we want to see businesses grow. And we also want to see Cuyahoga County residents grow and, and just not grow by getting a job, but we want to see people get on a career path. Because once people get on a career path, they keep going and going and going on, some, on, on, on improvement aspects. So that's kind of like skill up in, in a nutshell. I'll, I'll be sticking around. Yep. Okay, and, and I'll ask any, 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 any further questions afterwards. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. So how many of you were aware that in Warrensville Heights, our, res our residential values increase by 13% and our commercial properties have also increased by 12%? All right, that's tremendous, right? So what does that look like compared to the other 59 municipalities, right? So we're in the top 10%. We are the sixth top fastest growing in the area of residential and commercial, all right? Why is that? Part of it is, is because we have a, we've been building over the past years a strong housing stock. Uh, Right now, most of you have probably heard about Cinema Park, which is uh, completely built out. Emory Woods, we still have about 13 or so lots. We just sold about three lots. So we have some development going in uh, there. Uh, Stone's Throw, um, that was a uh, development that uh, the owner uh, went into receivership recently this year. We've actually have a new owner that has just recently had a community meeting talking about building out the additional 20 lots there. So real, we're really excited, uh, Mark, uh, from Amazon perspective, this is right down the street. This is walking distance. Um, also, uh, one of the future developments that we're looking at is Jennings Road. That's something we're looking at in the future, really trying to create an opportunity for millennials. We recognize that most people right now with the uh, rent rates here in the city could actually be owning a home. So we've been working with breaking chains. I see Jackie sitting there um, over the past several years with our home buyer to home education program where we've basically trained um, uh, several hundred people through that program to get them ready for home ownership. Now, development opportunities. What's coming down the pike? Northfield, Richmond, Emory, and Harvard. Mayor talked about um, Richmond as that uh, new commercial uh, corridor. But one of the things we're really excited about is, um, I think, uh, who was it? Uh, David said it earlier. Uh, making sure that for your, within your opportunity zones, making sure that you have prepped those sites and get, got those sites ready to market to developers. And so off Northfield, right next to the new uh, elementary school right there, we have uh, 25 acres of uh, redevelopment opportunity, mixed-use development, uh, and it sits in a tax opportunity zone. All right, so that's an uh, exciting opportunity for us. The city controls those 25 acres, and so we're uh, open for business, all right? We did a discovery process. Uh, Jack, uh, Jack Cruz, raise your hand. We've uh, been working with uh, Jack Cruz to um, walk us through this process and to work with the city 
um, going through a discovery visioning process, and we just uh, commissioned a housing study, and we're waiting on that data to analyze that data, but the, uh, the signs that we're seeing from that data is very exciting. Would you say, Jack? Absolutely. Most of you probably heard about Alter Care. Uh, we do have the owner sitting in the room here. 15-acre um, redevelopment site. Um, really excited. The mayor uh, talked a little bit about uh, this uh, redevelopment opportunity uh, there at Alter Care. So I won't uh, talk too much about it. But what this is showing is that when I talk about the opportunities that exist in Warrensville Heights along that Richmond corridor, um, we have some rich opportunities there. Now, you can say that you heard it here first. Uh, we have uh, Gary Miller from LRC. He's going to share some exciting news. Uh, Gary, if you can come up. If you guys notice, what I did was I yield most of my time, so you guys didn't uh, have to have me bore you. Uh, Gary? Yeah, thank you. Tough act to follow. If you want to click this and then that Appreciate will expose it. you. Thank you. Um, Jerome told me it was a free breakfast, but apparently that's not the way it works anymore. <laughs> and I want to thank you for having me, Mr. Mayor, thank you for having me. Um, and I'm probably going to reiterate a lot of things that people have already said, but I guess our little role in this is we're a little part of something big. So we look around, really, multiple states um, looking for opportunities to come in <clears throat> and find the right nexus of a tenant that wants to be here, a municipality that wants to work with us, and most importantly, something that is going to help grow the community. And that's, at the end of the day, where we like to be, is, is bring some other things to people. And I about passed out of my chair having to look at 2008 and 9, Elizabeth, when you had your charts up there. Uh, if you were in real estate development, uh, the, um, the recession was a very real thing. And it hit very hard, and it drove us down very low. And if you've been to other parts of the country, which we're fortunate enough to develop in several, we've really seen it come back but Northeast Ohio, the Cleveland market has been one of the last ones to come back. Um, our core business is uh, retail development. Um, we go from uh, trees to keys. You know, we'll buy a virgin site, try to bring it back. We'll buy uh, derelict properties and try to redevelop them. And then every once in a while, we have the chance to come in like the, the tip of a spear, like we're doing here. Um, we recently purchased the uh, Abuelos building. Um, they have uh, decided to close, um, which was part of the plan, and we're looking to do a, a full redevelopment of the project. Uh, collectively, all in, it'll be about a $3.5 million development, which is a significant investment for us, and uh, we're really happy about it. Um, Usually when I get up here, uh, and I usually get a call from three or four newspapers afterwards asking, well, who's the tenants? Who's the tenants? Who's the tenants? Uh, regrettably, I'm not at liberty to say who the tenants are. That's not me. Uh, realize these tenants are very afraid of each other. Um, they, they don't want to know who's here or who's not there. But suffice it to say, we will do a full redevelopment of the Abuelos building. Uh, for those of you that love the Mexican embassy uh, look, I'm sorry, it's going away. Um, I will offer this, uh, if you're a fan of uh, international coffee companies, 
uh, you might be very pleased with this development um, as we are uh, uh, very far down the tracks uh, with, a, with a group like that. Also, if you like your uh, steak served with an Australian flair, uh, we are uh, a, 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 day, a day or two away uh, from inking uh, something like that. Uh, and we have, um, out of all of this, the, the, the best part of, of, I can pick up the phone and call the mayor, I can pick up the phone and call Jerome, and it's an immediate response, and you don't find that in a lot of cities. It's normally a no, no, no thing. Uh, reminds me a lot of my high school dating career. But <laughs> you didn't have that, did you? You didn't have yeah, yeah, that was pre, pre-hair product. <laughs> But all of that said, we really have, have uh, you know, for lack of a better term, felt the love. Uh, we've been in three or four times now. Um, our plan, uh, you know, all these things are, are lockstep. So on our end, behind the scenes, you know, we have to get our tenants in line, which is not us. It's national companies. They're, they're, they're hard to get into. Uh, then we have to go through the municipality, which we recently put a plan together and the expectation for the project would be that uh, we'll be through our uh, tricks and, and, and tools by uh, end of this year and then as the sap starts to flow in the early spring we'll be in the development on a brand new project and I hope you guys love it and uh, I'll be the first one there for the cup of coffee. Thanks. Appreciate Thanks. it. Thank you. You guys can close your eyes on this. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, Mr. Jolly, Superintendent Jolly, thank you. You can click here. Click past. Good morning. It's a great honor to be here today to talk about our new facilities in our school district. Um, I have the honor to, to serve the Warrensville Heights School District as a former student and alumni of the district. And the students are the, the future and the kids in the community and as many businesses want to live, want their kids to be able to go to the schools. And I just want to share some of the great investments that our community has made in our school district. Uh, first of all, we've invested in three-year-olds. So our pre-K starts in three-year-old with three-year-old students because we are trying to grow our, our district from the bottom. Um, this has been very important because as the state takes, um, looks at test scores and you look at ratings for schools and, and all these different things, the essential key to any learning is reading. And as we start our students early in reading, we've seen that our scores have um, improved tremendously. And it, as hopefully when this report card comes out, the community and our parents and stakeholders will be very proud of what Warrensville has done over the last five years. Um, so our vision for the future, our district currently owns eight properties. So we own property at Westwood Elementary School, which is on Garden Boulevard, off of Miles. We own um, the Board of Education, which is across the street from the Racino. We own the parcel where the high school and middle school is. We also own John Dewey, which is which is located on Emory Road. And then we own um, where the across where the old library was, which was on Randall Woods site, which we are currently building a new elementary school. So what our plan is is being is to condense into two buildings. So we will have a pre-K to five building, and we will have a six to 12 high school all located on Northfield Road. So as you can see, the elementary school, which is in construction now, we've tore out 
The, um, the store on the corner, Highland Food Mart, will be down by Friday. The school district bought that, that property, and they're tearing that Highland Food Mart down. So you'll be able to see off in Northfield the new school as it rises. Um, this summer, the state approved us to move forward in our 6-12 high school, which will be located right behind our current high school where our football field is. And then our football field, where our middle school currently is, will be our, where our new football field is. So Warrensville Center Road would, would be where our football field is. Behind our high school would be our new middle and high school. And then our current high school would be torn out. So how did we pay for it and the total investment? The investment is over $110 million. The local investment is $90 million. So the first um, $30 million, um, it, this was based upon some deals that happened 30 years ago with the Chagrin Highlands area um, where where all this development that's here um, is located inside of the Warrensville Heights City School District. Of course, there's some litigation involved right now with this land, but our um, school district um, took that money and um, used all the new revenue, even the new revenue from Amazon, um, to finance the first building. So that first building was done without any taxpayer monies at all. It was funded strictly by the board and the deals that were done in the past. And then we went to our community for a $68 million bond issue, which passed at 77%. So total, um, this state investment is $20 million in this deal, 32% um, of the base cost of, of the project. So um, our plan is that we, we want to have a 21st century high school. Our buildings were built in the, in the late 50s. Our, the youngest one was built in 1972. Uh, we want to have the premier school district in the state of Ohio. That's, that's our goal. That's what we're working hard toward each and every day. And then we want to make sure our enrollment, our school buildings reflect our enrollment. Well, we had a tremendous drop in our enrollment between 2000 and 2015. Over half our students left our district due to charter schools and, and just the performance of the district in which we've improved. And we recouped over uh, 400 of those students back. So this is just a, 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 a um, indication of our buildings and how old they are. And those who went to Warrensville schools know that these schools look the exact same as they did 30 years ago when we went there. They're not 21st century at all. We've tried to retrofit them and put air conditions in. But in all, they're they're very old. So um, we are very appreciative of the community investing into our children, into our future. So our tentative project is, this is the building that's currently being built, um, $30 million um, project. Um, it, it's went up past the $25 because we had to add an extra $5 million because we had additional students that did, we didn't account for in 2016. It's self-funded, no bond requirement, and the state contributed $8.3 million to that. And that is an example of how the building would look. Our second building, which will begin construction next summer, um, is $12.5 million. Um, the state put in $12.5 million on that one. That one was uh, funded by the, um, by the community, so the community put up $68 million of that money. Um, the state put in twelve of that, and it will, this will fund the entire project. In this project, the um, 
There are some called local funded initiatives. So these are things that our community um, added into the project, uh, which the base project is 37 million, but the total project ends up being 68. The community invested another 31 million to ensure that the building was big enough for our students. Also to ensure that we have um, our auditorium um, is redone because auditoriums are not part of funding when schools are done co-funded with the state to make sure we have um, additional that extra million for Randallwood so we have additional space uh, to make sure that we get our new stadium, new baseball fields and so forth. So what happens to our current buildings? All of our buildings are located inside of Warrensville Heights. Um, the middle school will be replaced with athletic fields in our, in our stadium. Um, Eastwood, John Dewey, and Westwood are are slated to be demolished, and um, the collaboration between the Board of Education and Warrensville Heights will determine what happens to each property. So we always remember our why, which is our students, but I will say on the economic development side that our um, school district will be looking at those properties possibly for development. Um, John Dewey, which is located on Emory Road, is almost nine acres of land. We have Eastwood also, Eastwood Lane, about four acres of land. Um, Westwood, again, another um, three acres of land. And our Board of Education, which is uh, one acre, are potential opportunities for development moving forward for our district. Um, we are condensing into two buildings. Um, our Board of Education is slated. We, we put um, some of that extra money into the bond to, for our Board of Education to be inside of our new school, but um, we are looking at all options. As the mayor stated, there's an option to go with him. It's an option to go into another building. Um, all these things are on the table, but we do know that we will be coming out of three buildings in November of 2020, and those properties will be um, available, possibly available for people to invest in. Thank you. Thank you, Superintendent. Uh, we're going to have uh, Ray Graves from Small Business Administration talking about uh, capital, how to access capital for businesses. All right. Ray? Thank you so much. It is gratifying to hear about so much really good stuff going on in Warrensville Heights. Ray Graves with the U.S. Small Business Administration, and uh, I was asked to come here today just to give a little bit of high-level um, discussion of what's available from the U.S. Small Business Administration for our different programs. So that's what I'm going to do. Hopefully, uh, I won't see the dreaded five-minute uh, thing and get knocked off of my presentation, but I probably will. Um, so uh, first, I'm just going to say, you know, I, this is very high-level. So you know, if you want to give me a call, uh, there's my number. Write it down. Um, I am delighted to talk to people. It's not a situation where you know, you're going to get into some exchange and never talk to anyone real. Our district office has 10 people in it. We love talking to people. We talk to people all the time about their businesses, and we're, we're here to help. So there's that. Uh, I'm going to digress a little bit and talk about two of the big core functions of the SBA, and then we'll, we'll sink in a little bit more on access to capital issues. Um, the first thing that we do is government procurement. So you may or may not know, but the federal government is the biggest buyer of stuff in the world. So 23% uh, of that stuff is supposed to go to small business. That is $100 billion worth of uh, purchasing out there. So if you're a small business and you're not thinking about how to align yourself in such a way that maybe you could sell to, oh, I don't know, NASA or the Park Service, 
Coast Guard, any of the installations we have around here, uh, you are doing yourself a disservice. We have sub goals underneath that 25% for women-owned businesses, disadvantaged businesses, hub-zone businesses, uh, service-disabled veterans. Um, so that is something to think about and take advantage of um, if you are interested in growing your small business, as most of us are. Now, the second thing is people ask us all the time for help. They just say, well, how do I do business planning? How do I do licensing? How do I do permits? Um, where do I go for uh, a loan? And we provide resources uh, and funding, along with the state of Ohio, to a variety of small business development centers. There are three small business development centers and one women's business center in Cuyahoga County. The numbers are up there. Uh, probably the closest one to us here is the Cleveland State University Small Business Development Center, which weirdly is not uh, down at the CSU campus, but is actually in Cleveland Heights. So I would advise you to take advantage of them. All very good people, very well qualified, and it's either free service or extremely low cost service. And now, a slide here on funding your business. So the SBA has a variety of different loan programs. What we do is typically every year, SBA is going to guarantee almost 2,000 loans in Northern Ohio, and about 500 of those are going to be in Cuyahoga County. So it's extremely active. The biggest one is called the SBA 7A program. 7A program is loan guarantees. You might think of it as the uh, credit, uh, sort of credit default insurance that the federal government offers to banks when they make loans to small businesses. You've got to understand when a small business goes to a bank and asks for a loan, most of the time the bank is going to say, gosh, you're a little bit more risky than that Australian-themed steak place or that international coffee place that shall remain nameless. Um, they don't have that kind of wherewithal. So a bank looks at that and says, boy, we need a little extra support on this. And so what they'll do is they'll ask the federal government to guarantee that loan. Now, we do that. We guarantee 50, 75, 85, even 90 percent. Never the whole thing. Otherwise, the bankers would all go crazy and make every loan that came to them. But we guarantee a lot of them. Um, like I said, it's about 2,000 deals in Northern Ohio every year, about 50,000 loans uh, nationwide. So what that does for you as a small business is it gets you to yes. A guaranteed loan doesn't get you necessarily a better interest rate. It doesn't necessarily get you a longer term, but it might. The big thing is if you're talking to your bank and the bank says, look, I don't think I can help you. There's a little bit too much risk here. The thing to come back with is, gee, could we look at this through the lens of a U.S. Small Business Administration guarantee? And if they say they don't know how to do that, then you might want to find a different lender. Okay. So beyond the 7A guarantee program, there's also something called the SBA 504 loan program. Now, that is not something that necessarily your lender will talk to you about. Uh, lenders don't think this program is the best thing for them because it's not necessarily where they make the most money, but it is a very, very, very good program for small businesses. What it does is rather than the government guaranteeing the bank's loan, what we do is we go out in the market ourselves and borrow for you. And when Uncle Sam is borrowing for a small business, you get a pretty darn good deal. So a 25-year fixed rate under the 504 program is under 4% right now, and that is because Uncle Sam is borrowing for you and then relending to you as a small business. So that is a very good deal. It is for real estate and heavy fixed assets, not investors, not commercial real estate, small businesses that want to purchase and invest in their own property. Okay. 
Um, you can also do refinancings through that program. So if you're looking at current market rates today and you're saying, how can I take advantage of the current low yield on, on the treasuries? This is the thing to do. You can refinance your you know, 2010 mortgage through the 504 program and reduce your cost. The last thing I've got up there is the SBA's microloan program. Now, this is a critical program because it addresses one of the fundamental gaps in our economic development ecosystem. And that is, if you are a micro business and you go to a bank uh, for a $10,000 loan, a lot of times the banker gives you a credit card. You should say, no, I don't want a credit card because I'm going to hold the balance month to month. I need a long term. And the bank might say, look, it's just too small for us to really give you a term loan. So the alternative would be go to the SBA microlender. Now, our microlender in town is the Economic and Community Development Institute. They do a fantastic job. Um, these are for extra small loans, for folks who don't have perfect credit, uh, for maybe veterans coming back from deployments. All of these things are non-traditional types of uh, financing requests, non-traditional entrepreneurs. And if you're having trouble with your bank, this is a great place to go. So ECDI is the organization. So that is a very high-level overview of the three big financing programs SBA offers. There are other things. If you're interested in grants, check out grants.gov. If you're interested in innovation, there's something called the Small Business Innovation Research Grant, which you can take advantage of. Um, but I just wanted to close with a few tangible bits of advice for the small businesses in the community to get them access to capital. Because in the government level, we can have programs. But the best way you can get access to capital is sort of take control of your own destiny. And here are a few things that you can do to take control of your own destiny. The first and most important thing as a small business is not business credit, but your personal credit. So if you want a loan for your business, invest in your personal credit. Learn about personal credit. Imp improve your personal credit. The second thing is, a lender is never going to give you 100% of what you're asking for. They want you to put in some money, too. If you say, gee, I've got a $100,000 project, and you go to Steve Skaggs over there, and you say, gee, I want $100,000, uh, they're going to say, look, we want you to have something called skin in the game, too. So try to have at least 10% of your own money to put into that project. That's going to make the lender feel a little better about it. Invest in good financial record keeping. So if you don't use QuickBooks or something else so that you know where your business sits as far as its profitability and its net worth, do that. Because every lender is going to want to see from you good financial record keeping in order to give you that loan. If you don't know where you stand as a business owner and your finances, they're not going to want to give you a loan either. They're not going to know where you stand either. Last thing, understand how much you can afford. Now, a lot of us in the small business community don't have the record keeping, we're not accountants, but you just kind of know at the every, end of every month you've got a couple hundred dollars that you can afford. You can start with that, talk to one of our counselors about how much of a loan could I afford based on that extra cash flow I have at the end of every month, and they can back into a number that'll make sense to a banker, and you can start building your loan application off of that. So those are my bits of advice. Um, please do not hesitate to call me or any of my other, uh, my other friends and, and uh, coworkers. Uh, if you've got a small business and you're having any kind of a problem, we can direct you where you need to go. And uh, we are here to help you and support the wonderful community here in Warrensville. At this time, what we're going to do is take some questions. Uh, if we can have our speakers come up, uh, we do have some high chairs or some low chairs. Um, and at this time, we, we're actually, Mark, you put us like five minutes ahead of schedule. That's great. 
Um, so we have about uh, 10 minutes for uh, Q&A. Um, and any question is a good question. So uh, if I can have um, Mark come up, Elizabeth, uh, David, um, Bill, Superintendent Jolly, if you guys can come up. And we're just going to open up the floor for questions. Uh, yes, why don't you roll your chair over? <laughs> Look like they ran out of chairs. Um, all right, can you guys see him? <laughs> all right, uh, questions, any questions? Let me pass the mic to our speakers. Questions, yes. Oh, you wanna help with the mic? Hi, thank you, and thank you for the great presentations. Uh, to the economist, you talked about the slowing manufacturing in Cleveland for the most part. How do you reconcile that with the initiative to bring more high-tech talent uh, for manufacturing throughout uh, the Cleveland metro area? Um, so I, I was speaking broadly about the U.S., about manufacturing slowing. Um, so there are still pockets of strength, um, but you know, broadly, all of manufacturing is vulnerable to um, you know some of the headwinds that I discussed. So um, trade uncertainty, slowing global growth, um, uh, that that weakness um, will be felt across manufacturing. So so clearly. Um, certain sectors are more vulnerable than others, and you can still grow manufacturing in this environment, uh, just that, again, just be aware of, um, of, of what you're facing. Yeah. Uh, this question is for Bill, skill up. <laughs> Well, you probably don't know who I am, but I'm Veronica Robinson from Hand to Hand. I've been working with your program for about a year and a half now, and I want to make sure I connect with you so you can help me further along my business as far as trying to get uh, set up and do something here in Warrensville. And I just want to thank you for the program. I just, I'm a testament to the Skill Up program because when I first started, I didn't know how to connect. Uh, with other organizations and with the county and the state and through uh, one of your talent advisors she was able to give me information as far as to build my business and the skills that my employees will uh, be able to use and by your program I thought it was so fantastic that you're able to reimburse me for the training that these new employees will be getting and I thought that would it was so good because that would help a lot of small businesses in the area of really getting started as far as the employees and working and that whole structure thank you well thank you I'll, I'll, I'll hook up with you afterwards Jerome I think I was the wrong speaker to introduce skill up I think we had a great person back here. <laughs> thank you thank you very much for those comments I really appreciate it and now I'll, I'll talk to you afterwards thank you 
sort of a two-part thing. Um, I guess I need to uh, acknowledge Mr. Graves up there. Um, I'm a small business owner, and I connected with him over the spring and uh, ran into a lot of issues trying to get funding because uh, we had one truck and no employees, and, and we'd been working for about 20 years alone and wanted to be able to build uh, our trucking business. Went to our bank, and our bank said just what he said. Hey, you're you're too much of a risk, so on and so forth. And I wound up going to your event that you guys put on this spring, and you actually followed me and kept pushing <laughs> me. And I'm happy to say we got our loan and were able to purchase uh, an additional truck and hire an employee. So it definitely worked. Thank you. And I did learn something else today, and that is that we also, we're missing an opportunity by not uh, be, uh, certifying ourselves with the SBA for the minority or, or disadvantaged programs. And my husband is also a, uh, a veteran, so I'll be looking back toward you to, to, to get more information on that. And I'm really glad you're here to let these small businesses know because this is some information that sometimes as small business owners, we don't know how to get to it. So thank you. That's VBS Trucking, right? VBS All right. There you go. Great. Thank you, my name is Pastor Mike. Um, Amazon, you have that contact. We want to get that contact from you. We have a seller's account, but we do need help that you described earlier. So we want to make sure we get that contact. Skill up uh, for companies that offer similar services, personal development. How do we partner with you to, to expand your reach, if you will? Well, to, to expand the reach of any business. So what we start off with when I first go into a business, we sit down and talk to the business to get to know what the business needs are. And we go through some strategic planning with the business. And, um, you know, and, and then from there, then it, it, wherever the needs are within the business will take us in that direction. Um, I think that's what you're asking for. I think you were you were talking earlier, asking a question earlier about manufacturing and technology. Uh, one of the one of the sweet spots where we started with was where a business had those skill gaps. They were able to identify people in their workplace and provide them with training opportunities to get the skills necessary to satisfy those vacant positions and it moved people up in the organization. I mean, we did one um, one company and. Don't ask me to describe what it is. I wasn't involved, but a scrum master. I have no idea what a scrum master is, but it was some IT guru. And you know, they, they, they were able to take someone internally and, and we provided them with the training plan to get that person into a much higher level paying position to be a scrum master in the IT world. So, so Jerome, I, I've got a question and this is uh, for, uh, for two folks. One is for um, to the superintendent, Donald Jolly. Uh, I want you to talk about how you're trying to position these young kids as we go around this community and talk to different businesses who are in need of employees. I can see a number of folks in here that have come to me with employees looking for talent. How you're positioning your kids to be a potential recipient. You could talk about your 
firefighter programs or any other program you're willing to entertain with some of these businesses to create to help train folks to to give you a, a ready workforce yeah that's a great question mayor um well, we work very hard to provide pathways for our students so that they can go from school to work or they can go from school to college. Um, the, the district has invested in, uh, we have a new firefighters program at the high school. We've invested in a new culinary program at the high school. We also are in a partnership with Cleveland Heights, Bedford, um, Maple Heights, and Shaker, so that any student who is participates in career tech opportunities which there's over 26 different opportunities in, in between the five schools um, our students have that opportunity also we've invested a great investment with um, Tri-C with exposing our students to career um, to college courses uh, we actually have a seventh grader this year that's taking college courses in seventh grade and we're starting it as young as possible so that our students who 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 have the potential to excel will excel but we are looking to partner with any business to provide pathways for our students because some of our students are not going to college but we want them to remain in our community and we want to provide them with the skills that they need so we we, we are open um, to provide um, training uh, we partner with um, um, for, with um, Kent State to do some um, some um, I'm sorry I'm losing my chain of thought but um, with computers programming with computers we're doing some manufacturing up there uh we're doing everything we can to prepare our students so again the warrensville high city school district is open we are doing everything possible so that when these when our young people graduate they are entering the workforce positive and productive they're going to college or they have the opportunity to go to work thank you and, I, uh, and what comes to mind karen johnson from wf hand uh you might want to talk to Superintendent Jolly about uh, workforce readiness. I got to end. I'm a basketball guy, so I'm gonna end on a, with, with a basketball almost analogy. So I'm gonna go to the Admiral David John, uh, David Robinson here, <laughs> <laughs> and I want Jerome to go to that screen that talks about the opportunity, the the map we have with the red highlighted district, because I'm not sure everybody understands uh, the when they talk about opportunity zones. Uh, what it all entails. We'll get to this one. Right, come back. That right there. So this is a map of Warrensville Heights. In the center of Warrensville Heights is our good friend from uh, North Randall, which is a part of this district. And I know that, that uh, Mayor Blackwell has some areas in her city as well. What I want to tell you is an opportunity zone is really a new basic development incentive program created by uh, the current administration is a way to uh, typically if you incentivize a deal you know tax abatements things of that nature traditionally how it's done on the municipal state government local level uh, opportunity zone is really the, the reversal of that it is for the private investor right so as they talked about if you had Apple stock you made a lot of money and you don't want to pay that tax you can shield this tax up to 10 years of time by putting it in an opportunity zone investment. So the, the government has created across all those 50 states, certain areas in, 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 in every state that can be qualified as an opportunity zone where that you can take your money if it's invested in a fund right. to be placed inside of 
of, of these opportunity zones and you can let it ride for so long that, that you shield yourself from the taxes. So actually you'll make money. The longer you stay in, the more you're gonna make. How do I know I was with Trump's guy in at the mayor's conference because he came, Trump sent, uh, uh, <laughs> Trump sent the, the, the Opportunity Zone guru uh, where they're doing a lot of biz out of Boston. Yeah. Down to uh, down to the U.S. Conference of Mayors event to talk about it. So this is how, how I'm aware of it. What it does is is allows you to do real estate development. So I, how many real estate professionals do I have in the in do we have in the building? All right. So when you see vacant land or land that looks to be redeveloped, uh, Amazon would have been a great ex example of a opportunity zone project. Right, could have been. Uh, there are these funds out here that will allow you to 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 realize and put together deals traditionally that don't have to go. Let's say traditionally you go to a bank, real estate investors. You would go to a bank to try to get somebody to fund the project, right? Well, you are going to a bank. It's just a different bank, right? So mm -hmm. the opportunity zone is going to be the bank in the beginning. You're going to cut a deal with them, right? They're going to put up the capital up front backed by some collateral, right? Mm -hmm. The thing they want is in the investment, I want to stay in this thing long, I'm just trying to shield my money, right? So instead of me taking a hit on the, on the, on the uh, capital gains, or me putting in an investment where I make two to 3% on the money, you stay in it for 10 years, you're gonna make double digit return on your money, you're not gonna get any more money. They, Trump set this thing up so that people can make money, right? Be clear what it's for, right? And it's only here for right now, a limited period of time. That's why he talked about when you put the money in the fund, you got to spend it in 180 days because it's going to come to an end. So you can do a deal your traditional way, right? And uh, or you can do the deal this new way. What? How it helps everybody in this room? You can coattail off somebody. You can ride somebody's coattails and set up your small business in this zone and be the beneficiary of the Opportunity Zone. You're the beneficiary of the people making the money in the long run of the investment, am I right? Correct. So I just want you to speak to that. Just yeah, well, well, first of all, you know, Mayor, I appreciate you calling me the Admiral. I assure you my basketball <laughs> skills did not meet yours because uh, I know I, I saw you play as a Buckeye and uh, n not, not in the same world. But, you know, as the Mayor said, y you all have really um, kind of a unique uh, opportunity here because so much of your community is in an opportunity zone and you can think of it in terms of how a traditional development would happen developer comes in looks at land says hey I want to put in multifamily I want to put in office I want to put in uh, you know manufacturing whatever's going to fit into that opportunity zone business definition um, they can attract outside capital to fund that development through an opportunity through opportunity zone uh, fund through capital gains you, you also could do it through a means of individual businesses that are going to qualify as an opportunity zone business, and then they can gain the capital. Um, again, um, uh, the mayor's absolutely right. It is, it is designed to make money. It's designed to, to in essence, shield the gain. It's part, partially it's a deferral of capital gain. So if you have that initial capital gain, you're going to get to defer uh, a good chunk of it from paying capital gains tax. But more importantly, if you keep your money, uh, you keep your investment in that fund for 10 years, and you say that money gains 
30%, say it's a very successful investment, you don't pay any capital gains tax on that new investment. So it has short-term deferral of existing capital gain, but then probably more important for the investor, whatever money they make on that investment, on that site, in that fund, um, if they keep it in there for 10 years, they don't pay capital gains taxes on it. So for the investor, it is, uh, it's very attractive. And uh, you know, we think for the for the community, for the for the company, for the developers, I think it's a great tool. You know, for real estate development industry, it's also a um, you know a, a great tool to to gain funding. Yeah, PNC has a local fund. Um, you know, actually, the uh, you know the Growth Association, I think, you know, is a great asset. Uh, for Cleveland, I'm not. I'm not sure if I've seen a more successful uh, model at a at a regional level. The, the Cleveland Growth Association has been very, very engaged in building up. You know, therefore they've had their fund on new markets. I mean, so th for them, it's it's kind of a natural. Uh, I, I'm glad to get a list of funds. There's a couple of different directories of funds that are out there. Um, the accounting firm Novogratic, who actually does all this work out of Dover, Ohio. I mean, they're a firm out of San Francisco, but they've built this practice in, in Ohio. They have a good directory. There's a couple good directories out there that I can kind of circulate to the group, but that's, that, that is important because there, I mean, there are um, hundreds of millions of dollars, not billions of dollars in funds that have been uh, announced uh, and, are, and are currently underway. So those are, those are the folks you need to be kind of working as well. Uh, we're going to close with uh, Mayor Blackwell. Um, you have a question? I just have a comment. A comment? Thank you. I've shared this before, but I've not been in the presence of Amazon. But because of Amazon building five miles across a bridge in, in North Randall, we've been able to sell over 600 homes in Maple Heights in the last 18 months. All. All um, arm's length transactions, uh, tra um, uh, transactions, market sales. And so for a city that has been in fiscal emergency, you're building uh, the real estate. We are an opportunity zone, low moderate income. So we are building, if you've been down Warrensville Center Road, something that was bleak, there are all new businesses going up. But my residents, so many of them, um, have a five minute or a 10 minute, less than a 10 minute walk or bike ride. And so you have changed the quality of life in Maple Heights. And you've been able, it's enabled me to pull a city that was really on the decline onto just a great place to live. So thank you very much. Hard to respond with anything other than thank you. <laughs> and uh, tell, your, tell your residents thank you, tell our associates thank you, and promote, uh, you know, promote them to stay and launch their career. All right, well we wanna thank our speakers for coming. It was very informative, wouldn't you agree? And I want to thank the businesses for coming out and supporting uh, the city's efforts to provide this information. And we hope to see you all very soon at our, our next chamber event. Check out our website for the next luncheon. And uh, have a good day. <laughs>